With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Thursday, October 29th. It was a great day of tennis, at least on the court, in the professional tennis world. So many fun results for us to discuss. And as I promised yesterday, joining me on the podcast to do just that, you know him as our crack rackets do everything, a former Denison men's tennis great, the only undefeated high school to tennis coach in Missouri State history, and of course, the guy I turn to to keep me in check, James Foster McDonald. Jamie, how are you doing today? Not too bad. Uh, Excited to be back on. As you mentioned, we did have a fun day of tennis. It was a lot of good stuff from start to finish. Um, You know, the action in Kazakhstan, a little bit too early for me, but Vienna going out all through the afternoon, it's great stuff. I'm a happy camper. Yeah, and the best part about having TC Plus, because yesterday I asked the question, if the action happens in North Sultan and no one's there to see it, did it actually happen? The great thing for you, Tennis Channel Plus subscribers, you can go watch all of the replays throughout the day, and so, of course, when the action finishes in Vienna or there's a lull in the action, you can go watch those matches. Just another incentive for all of you to go get TC Plus support. Everything that Tennis Channel is doing, obviously, they've got the ATP rights moving into 2021, so uh, hopefully, you know, that they will be a big part of the tennis media equation moving forward. But anyways, Jamie, as you mentioned, a phenomenal day of results. We're going to break all of those down today on the podcast. We're going to introduce a new segment on the show today as well to have a little bit of fun break down the usual, or you know, break up the usual rhythm of this show. But of course, the reason we are able to provide this coverage day in, day out here at Cracked Rackets, because of the support we get from our friends at Midwest Sports and Aerobar, as all of you know, we try to live by a code here at Cracked Rackets. We try to look good, we try to feel good, so that when we go out on court or we record a podcast, whatever it may be, usually it's the latter, we play good as well. Now, you can do that yourself by turning to our friends at Midwest Sports and Aerobar. Midwest Sports is going to have everything you need from a tennis equipment standpoint, the latest rackets, the latest strings, the latest clothing. They've got it all. They've got it from all of the best brands as well. You use our promo code CR15, you'll get 15% off your order, free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75.00. And best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. You go to our friend's Aerobar, they'll be have you feeling good as you get on the court. They'll give you that energy boost they need by providing the only tennis-specific energy bar in the business. More potassium than a banana. Delicious cinnamon, honey, oat, and chocolate chip flavor. The way you can support them. Going to Aerobar.com, ordering yourself up a case of Aerobars. You use our promo code CRACKED15. You'll get 15% off your order as well. So, of course, look good, feel good, play good. Midwest. 
Quest Sports Aero Bar Cracked Rackets. All right, Jamie, with that in mind, let's break down the action from Wednesday's matches, and let's start with the ATP 500 in Vienna. Of course, it's always great in late October when you get to see players like Novak Djokovic, Dominic Thiem, Stefano Tsitsipas, all in action on the same day in an event. That was the case for us in Vienna today. Some really fun matches, uh, really from start to finish throughout the day. Let's start off with that Stefano Tsitsipas match because it was one of the headline matches I talked about yesterday on our GSP Ace of the Day. I backed Stefano Tsitsipas under the premise that, look, four of his five ATP titles in his career have come on indoor hard courts. His game style suits these conditions perfectly. And I will say, they had a two and two career head to head coming into this match. It's clear Jan Leonard Struff's game is able to expose the weaknesses remaining for Stefano Tsitsipas, most notably the backhand return, just overwhelming that side with pace, playing aggressive tennis, taking the ball off of Tsitsipas's racket. But I thought this was a really good performance from Stefanos today. He bounces back after dropping that first set 6-7, wins the match 6-7, 6-3, 6-4. Your thoughts on his opening round performance? Yeah, I mean, look, this was good stuff from Tsitsipas. Any time you're playing Struff, it's going to be difficult, and, and especially on an indoor hard court. Um, I mean, you know what you're going to get. You know what you're going to get a ton of pace at your strokes, and, and especially you already mentioned it, that backhand return in particular. I mean, he knows that's going to be under fire the entire match. I, I mean, I think you mentioned it. He did a phenomenal job of really just keeping his head, keeping steady after dropping that first set breaker. I mean, Struff just simply played a better tiebreaker than him. You know, that happens, and especially with someone who serves as big as Struff, that you're sometimes you're just going to get outplayed in a breaker um and so that was really you know promising for me to see from Sitsipas. regardless though i wasn't as bold as you i would have stayed really far away from this match um because realistically <laughs> Struff could have won this thing um you know Sitsipas gets some good breaks in the second and third set at the right times but realistically there's no reason that Struff couldn't have won this match seven six seven six um and so for that reason i was scared and stayed away but good for you Sitsipas, the better player here it's just you know it's just it's always dangerous going against Struff, right you don't want to bet against him it's it's just always tricky and you always feel bad doing it well, he's a guy we've talked about so much, really. I feel like when, since we named him one of our players to watch down the home stretch of last season, Jamie, you know, we are Struve fans here at Cracked Rackets. We like what he can do with his game. And yeah, you know, through that first set, he lost a total of five points on serve, Jamie. He was 18 of 20 on first serve points, 12 of 15 on second serve points. It was everything you were afraid of if you were backing Tsitsipas. You're like, oh no, he can't do enough with his return. He's not able to take control of any of these points. The good news for him, the whole Holding serve of the part of the equation was just routine. He made it look so easy throughout this match. Faced three break points in the first set. He saved all three. Did not face a break point the rest of the match. This was a mature performance from Stefano Tsitsipas, who just stuck to his gun, stuck to his game plan. And we talk all of the time, you know, all of these guys can hit massive forehands, great ground strokes. Uh, so much of it is what's going on between their ears, right? How they're feeling mentally. What is their confidence heading into the match? Semi-final performance. Performance at Roland Garros for Tsitsipas takes Djokovic to five sets. It was just clear today he was confident and he didn't play afraid at any moment of the match, and that's what I liked the most. Yeah, and look, during some of that hard, the outdoor hardcore stretch, remember the gauntlet of big servers that Tsitsipas had to go through in the same tournament. I mean, yeah, I think that was Western and Southern where he was just facing big server after big server. And so he's used to this, right? You know, this this doesn't scare him. Um, and as you mentioned, really a mature performance. And, and I think that's going to be a theme for, you know, I don't know the order you had in mind, but a couple other matches from Vienna that we need to talk about. Also, just young guys showing some real maturity in their wins and straight sets today. 
Yeah, no, I completely agree with you again for Tsitsipas. Indoor tennis, it's pretty simple. You make your first serve, you have success. And Tsitsipas in this match, 74% first serve percentage, 55 of 67 on those points, 15 of 23 on second serve points. Great performance for from him to advance to the round of 16. And yeah, I thought there were a lot of great performances today from uh, so many of these players. Let's move next now uh, to another match that... You know, it was a straight setter, and, you know, Tsitsipas Struff was the only three-set match on the day, but I really thought this was an either-or sort of uh, performance in that Novak Djokovic Borna Chorich round of 16 battle. I know we're skipping around here, Jamie, but for me, the level of tennis in that match was exceptional, and we all know what Borna Chorich was capable of at the end of 2018. I think he makes that final in Beijing, and, you know, he had started to inch closer and closer to the top 10. He wins that title, I believe, in Hala. Uh, in that season as well. And then, you know, he had the injury bug in 2019. It messed with his confidence as well. But after making that quarterfinals at the U.S. Open, he finally seems healthy. He finally seems match fit and confident. And I know he lost that match 7-6-6-3 to Novak Djokovic. And I'm sure we'll talk about the Djokovic side of this equation in a second. But for me, the takeaway from that match it's hyperbole to say Borna Chorch is back because was he ever gone? Like, I, I don't really know if he qualifies to be back. I don't know if he was ever, you know, technically present, but he's in the mix now for sure. He's a guy who's going to be hovering around the top 20, top 10, as long as he's healthy and fit. You can just, the physicality he can impose in a match, it's everything you want in the modern game. Yeah, and look, it's just about consistency. When he's entering all of these events, he should be making deep runs in all of them. Um, and that includes the majors, right? He's got the talent at this point. Again, we hope barring any injury problems here. But yeah, I mean, there's no reason you shouldn't see Chorich in quarters of majors like all the time, basically. Uh, there, there's just no reason. He's he's that good, and he's shown it across different surfaces. He just has such a solid game, and, and that solid game was on display against Djokovic today. Yeah, I mean, for George, the backhand just holds up so well, right? And I think he's become more and more aggressive with his first serve. Had success in this match, obviously. What was it, four set points in that 13-11 first set breaker? Um, yeah, for George, he was able, you know, nine aces on the day. was. I thought his first serve was really effective. And, you know, he's only broken twice in this match to only be broken twice against Novak Djokovic. Obviously, a tough task. He made 62% of his first serves, 36 of 50 on those first serves points, but, you know, you and I were texting during this match, and I posted that text exchange on Twitter for anyone who wants to see it, but I swear to God, and I know you're going to agree with me, 6-5 in that breaker, he's down, or whatever it was. You could see Novak Djokovic be like, oh, like, nice. Like, now I get to finally try, and on that point, he just baits Chorich into opening up the court to the forehand side, because that's the side that Chorich eventually sprays on. If you can get pace into that wing, that's exactly what happened. Chorich produces the shank error, and yeah, you know, Chorich had a couple of other chances to put away this match, but don't wake up the sleeping dragon, right? Because when he wakes up, it's just a nightmare for everyone in his path. Yeah, exactly. If you can keep him in the weird, in that weird zone uh, where he just feels like, eh, I'm just out here, then maybe you have a chance. But as soon as you put him in a dicey position, um, you know, he wants to lock in and win it. And yeah, this look, we don't have to spend a terrible, a terribly long amount of time on this, right? It's just Djokovic. Look, 
people talk about him and they're like, oh, he's looks so good. Dude, he just gets bored with how good he is. Like, and that's simply what it is. <laughs> like, he is bored that he's like, oh my God, like, if I want to go out here and win this match, I know what I do. I just sit on the baseline and I hit 20 balls and I will win. Like, I, I think that's where he has a little bit of the, the disadvantage to players like Federer, right? Where, you know, their best tennis is, is like really fun. They don't get bored. Federer's just out there slapping, right? I mean, who, who doesn't love that? Djokovic, he just has to sit down there and grind. Then, okay, he's like, all right, and then finally I'll put a backhand down the line and just put you out of your misery and i don't know that's why he likes playing the drop shots sometimes he likes doing the cat and mouse stuff because he's good enough to get away with that sort of crap and you know i i, I screenshotted the picture in reply um, to you, the text message sort of chain that you put on there he literally looks dead inside dude the guy is numb it's unbelievable um, he is numb and that's not even just like a cool calm and collected and focused Djokovic. the guy i'm convinced he's just numb and he doesn't know how to feel anything. So what he does is puts himself in really dicey situations and then, you know, plays the game to get out of it. And I, it's kind of a wild take. But look, you and I have talked about this for years now where Djokovic, he just baits people into his weird little mind games and then comes through because he's good enough. And, and so, yeah, you could talk about the George side of this equation. But really, this was just a matter of if Novak Djokovic decided to win this match or not. And then he's like, OK, yeah, I'll win it. And so that's how he wins it. And it's just it's kind of I, I don't know. I don't have a better way to articulate or explain it. But it's just weird watching him play these sort of tournaments where he's like, yeah, if I want to win, I can flip on the switch and do it. But for a while, I'm just going to keep everybody in the dark and, and play around for a bit. No, it's a joke. It's a Djokovic, I should say. And yeah, it's unbelievable the way he's able to flip that on-off switch. I mean, the guy just physically... Again, George played a really high level. And at the beginning of the match, uh, you know, one of my roommates here in Indianapolis, Parker Thienemann, was home for a quick second. And I go, can you imagine being Novak Djokovic? Because you could just tell for Borna George, he was like, I'm leaving everything on the court here today. You're going to get... I'm throwing the entire kitchen sink at you. And Djokovic, every match he plays, he gets every player's best effort. And yet, he's still able to go out there and be like, all right, it's six all, five, six in the breaker. Okay, time for me to turn it on. Time for me to be Novak Djokovic. And sometimes that gets him in trouble. uh, But obviously, about 82% of the time, he's just fine. And he pulls off the victory. That's what he did again today uh, to advance to the quarterfinals. The other matches that finished up, Daniil Medvedev, fairly routine 6-3, 6-1 victory over fellow Wolverine Jason Jung. Vashik Pospisil able to uh, get a couple of late breaks after surrendering an early break in the first, but he knocks off fellow Canadian Felix Ogier alias Seam 7575 for FAA, for those of you who want to freak out over this loss. Keep in mind, finalist in Cologne sem- in week one, semi-finalist in Cologne in week two. He's played a lot of tennis these past couple of weeks, and to travel to Vienna, be ready for this match. It's not an excuse. I'm just saying this isn't a concerning loss at all. Indoor hardcore tennis to Pospisil, that sort of stuff happens. Uh, the other two results on the day, Kevin Anderson 7561 over Pablo Carreno Busta. And to those of you wondering at home, yes, I did hedge on that final parlay because six foot eight human indoors, you got to hedge there. And Jamie, with the ultimate advice, he says, Gruskin, you would be screaming at me if I didn't hedge that. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's a good point. Listen to yourself. And so I did listen to myself. Hedged on the PCB bet, cut my, or I guess I suppose maximized my winnings. But, anyways, the last result, one we could have probably done a solid five minute breakdown of the Sin Man. 
and Yannick Sinner. Phenomenal level of tennis in his 7-6-6-3 victory over Casper Ruud, uh, particularly when he gets that break at for 5-3 in the second set. I mean, the way he took a couple of backhands early, just unloaded on the ball. It was really impressive tennis from the Sin Man. I apologize for the monologue, Jamie, your thoughts on the rest of the action in Vienna. Well, first of all, I like how you turned me telling you to hedge into you telling yourself to hedge. Yes, there was a specific <laughs> line I used, but you can't even give me credit there. Um, that is, I did. That I is said some sort you of reminded special. me what I would do. <laughs> you reminded no. Then your your line was remember, folks, listen to yourself. So let's just take <laughs> that. Uh, but no, so so I mean, look, the center and Medvedev matches were the ones I was referencing earlier when young guys with really mature performances. Medvedev getting through this match really routinely. That's what you need. Only dropping four games. That's great. Sinner, um, again, he's getting into the position where he's being looked at, even though as he's still so young, he's being looked at as a favorite now in a lot of these matches. And for him to do the same, get through a tight first set, and then, as you mentioned, get that later break in the second and you know serve it out. Just really good stuff um, from both of them. And again, we're starting to see more and more of this theme of the young guys who are no longer just contenders for things, but they're the staples, right? They're the consistent ones who are always in these draws, and they're coming up with the wins that they're expected to have. And they're doing it routinely, and so that's just really nice to see. Yeah, no, I mean, again, uh, the difference between an up-and-coming player and a player established at the top is that consistency. We talk about that on so many podcasts, and yes, I agree with you. Again, great victories for those young guys, uh, and it's setting up to be a really fun championship weekend in Vienna. We, of course, will be previewing tomorrow's matches, but we're saving that for the end of this podcast where we have a fun new segment planned for you all. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. For now, let's advance to the action in Nur Sultan, where, of course, we have an ATP 250 going on. A couple of fun results on the day there, Jamie. Good day for the American men tennis mm-hmm. players over in Kazakhstan. You had Francis Tiafo 7-5-6-3 over Miomir Kesmenovic, Tommy Paul 4-0 over Radu Elbot, and then Mackie McDonald. Really impressive 3-2 win over Sasha Bublik, especially considering this match was played on an indoor hardcourt, as well as the fact that Mackie was up, I believe, a set and a break on him. What was it, a week ago, two weeks ago, and Buplik was able to flip the script and win that match. Your thoughts on the American men today in Nur Sultan? Really good stuff. Um, I mean, let's start with the Mackie match first. You mentioned to just mentally to get back in um, and, and sort of start this match fresh and, and have a really good positive attitude about it is is really promising. And obviously, you know, you, you know how the mental game gets there, right? He's like, okay, I was in this position before. I just need to, you know, be able to close it out this time. And that's exactly what he did. And look, you don't want to take much away from Mackie in this match, but honestly, it's a match against Bublik, and Bublik just didn't show up to his full self today. Um, and, and that just happens with Bublik. And a little bit surprising in a tournament like this in the homeland, you'd think uh, maybe be a little bit different for him. But uh, 
unfortunate to see, I guess, from the Bublik side. So I won't spend too much time on that one. Really good stuff from Tommy Paul, um, playing a guy who's just always solid and never an easy out. Made look fairly routine. And then Tiafo capitalizes on some good momentum and, and wins over Kismanovic, who, again, is another guy who's never going to be an easy match. So really good stuff from the American men, as you mentioned. Um, and I guess it can't be Bublik carrying the torch in Kazakhstan, so I guess they're rooting for Kukushkin now. <laughs> no, I, I definitely agree with you. I think the most impressive win on the day... Well, I guess for me, I, I disagree because you said it's Mackie. I think the most impressive win on the day has to go to Francis Tiafo, 5-3 and three over Miomir Kesmenovic, who's awfully good on an indoor hard court, but just could not find his rhythm on serve today. Kesmenovic making only 45% of his first serves, 37 of 82 on the day for Tiafo. 62% of his first serves go in, but listen to these numbers, Jamie. 27 of 33 on the first serve, 14 of 20 on the second serve. He faced three of the four break points he faced on the day. Uh, he's playing really good ball, and I know part of this has to be uh, a result of his new partnership with Wayne Ferreira. It's clearly playing, paying dividends. We saw it at the U.S. Open. He came out and won a challenger on the clay, and now he's back on indoor hard courts. I thought he looked good in Antwerp. I thought thought he looked really good. You know, I thought this was a really good victory for him as well. Just Kasmanovic couldn't hurt him. And that's the most surprising part. You know, for Francis Tiafo, is he now at a phase where if you can't hurt him, if you can't expose that forehand, get pace to that side, it's going to be this difficult to beat him? If so, the top 30 is calling. We all know the sort of talent he possesses. Great to see him putting the pieces together the way he is right now, and a guy who's clearly gained confidence since the tour restarted. But yeah, you know, for TP, for Mackey, great wins as well. Uh, you look at the other results on the day. Millman, uh, straight set victory over. Verdasco, Gerasimov, a three-set win over Yuri Vesely in a match that I promise you looked exactly like you thought it did. Lots of big serves, very little point play. Uh, it was delightful. And then the last one, as you mentioned, Kukushkin's three-set win over Delbonis. Your thoughts on you know where we're at in Nur Sultan? Yeah, I mean, look, some of these matches, pretty expected, right? If you told me Melman was going to beat Verdasco in straights, I was like, okay, duh. Right. I mean, I just, Verdasco's just not winning that match in this current client. Like, he's just not. Um, you already mentioned on the Vesely Gerasimov match, like, y- you kind of get what you sh- you pay for in this one. Um, I'd be surprised if many people at all really tuned in willingly to that match because it's like, all right, we all know what's going to happen here. So, yeah, nothing terribly interesting there. Um, I'll just continue to say it. Kukushkin, that, I can only imagine how annoying it would be to hit against his backhand on a like a fast indoor court um, because okay. the thing already does not bounce like even even on any sort of court the thing has backspin on it like it, it makes no sense if you watch this guy up close hit a backhand it's it's simply ridiculous so I can only imagine what that's like on a fast indoor court because there is no chance you're getting under that ball but regardless um, again he's carrying the he's t- carrying the torch for Kazakhstan now that Bublik kind of had that flame out against <laughs> Mackey so we'll see if he's able to make yeah. any sort of deep run for the home crowd. Yeah, no, it was a good match for sure, and we will get to see Mikhail Kokushkin in action tomorrow where Jamie, he is a favorite over number one seed Benoit Paire, according to odds makers. And someone tweeted this out. I think it was Kale Hammond who asked the question. It's a really good question. When was the last time a number one seed in an ATP 250 or higher level event was an underdog in their first round match? Had to have been a while, and yet, does anyone disagree with that? Like, no, I don't disagree. Do you? I, I don't know. It's 
on principle it's, it's just away. insulting i'm not touching it <laughs> on principle it's just <laughs> insulting like let me put it that way i don't i can't say that on its merits i disagree with it it's just insulting i'm like really you're like this guy's the one seed and you're gonna do this to him like that hurts um yeah it is a stay away because i think it, it goes either way but I mean, hopefully someone told Benoit Pair that because he's one of these players that if his ego gets involved and he's pissed off, he's really dangerous. It's when he's, you know, his head's up in the clouds and he doesn't care and is willing to just mess around that he's, you know, going to get himself in trouble. So if he sees that in somebody, you know, little, little lit a fire under him, uh, maybe he'll show up and, and beat the living hell out of him. But I don't know. It's It's a dicey one. You mentioned it. It's for sure a stay away. Yeah, and then you look at the other matches on the day. Mackie McDonald versus Andreas Seppi. Adrian Manorino versus Yuki Sagita. I promise you, Manorino, McDonald is going to be firmly in that parlay zone. Very likely chance you see them in the GSP Ace of the Day picks I make for Thursday. The last one there in Nur Sultan, Emil Rusvori taking on Jordan Thompson. So, should be a really fun day of matches uh, over there. Now, of course, we do have some other matches going on across the professional tennis world two challengers this week, one in Spain, the other in Germany. You look at where we are at for the action in Germany today. Uh, many of the seeds advancing further into this event. We saw number one seeded Camille Matrizak, number two seed Taru Daniel, six seeded Henry Laxanen, seven seeded Nikola Miljovic all advance in their matches. We also saw victory from Ofner, Marchenko, Oscar Ota, the number eight seed, and Bocic van de San Schulp, who has been playing awfully good tennis at the challenger level of late. Uh, in tomorrow's matches in Hamburg, you're going to get to see J.J. Wolf in action as he takes on talented young Russian Roman Sefillian. You're also going to get to see Van de Sanschlup versus Marchenko, Ota versus Steb. For the action in Spain today, uh, we saw Pedro Martinez, Carlos Gimeno Valero, Alexandra Muller, Blaise Rola all advance. That sets up tomorrow's matches where, again, going to be a really fun day of tennis. Daniel Galan, we saw, made a really nice run at the French Open. He takes on number three seeded Gianluca Majer. You get to see your boy Jamie Haumi Munar take on Lorenzo Giustino, Taberner versus Clark, Koprova versus Federico Gayo. It should be a really fun day of tennis across the board. I will also mention, unfortunately, uh, you know, there's an ITF event going on for the women in, I believe, Tyler, Texas or Dallas, Texas this week. It's an 80K event. There's some really fun first round matches. You know, players like Shelby Rogers, CeCe Bellis, Marta Kostiuk, all of the, all of our favorite usual suspects in action trying to get some match play in before this season ends. The first couple of days have been rained out, but they've decided to start going indoors if that keeps happening, and you can find a lot of links to streams for that uh, on their website, so be sure to go check that out. I think I retweeted the links to those streams, so you can find those on my Twitter page as well. But with that in mind, Jamie, one more thing we want to do to preview tomorrow's action. We want to introduce a new segment here. Have a little bit of fun on this podcast. Again, break up the usual rhythm of these shows. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm also stealing this segment from one of my favorite podcasts, the Bill Simmons podcast, which they, they do this gimmick every Sunday. He and Cousin Sal like to guess the lines for the, that week's NFL games. Jamie, we're going to be doing something similar for tomorrow's matches in Vienna. And of course, another reason I wanted to do this to help get me prepared to go make my picks for aces of the day. I think this is a fun way for us also to preview tomorrow's matches, figure out where there's if there's any value between where we think the matches are going to go and where odds makers think the matches are going to go scoring system unclear I think we'll both know who wins this uh battle and who loses I also think uh again um 
you know, I, I will also say neither of us have looked at these odds, and we both looked each other in the eye via Skype as we were making our picks, so we both know. Hopefully, there was no cheating associated, although, Jamie, the way you, you know, gave me a little eyebrow raise there, maybe there has been some cheating since. But anyways, I know you are a good man. I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. Westoff, give me some sort of guess the line sound effect, please. All right, with that in mind, Jamie, here's how we're going to go. We're going to start from top seed and work our way through the rest of the matches. Let's start with the number two seed, Dominic Team taking on Christian Guerin. You and I can alternate who guesses first. I'm going to give you the floor on this first one. Give me your line in Team Guerin. This one was tough, so I scribbled it out twice. Um, I'll start there. So, yes, that's how you know I'm not cheating um, is because I could not come up with a sure answer. Uh, so, originally, I had Team being a lot heavier favorite, but then, you know, he didn't really have look that great I I don't know I'm still gonna go let's go with team out screw it let's go team minus 500 um so I I would just like to say you know this is a good exercise because I'm pretty sure that was the first f-bomb you've dropped in (laughs) podcast history which just makes me freaking ecstatic I, I stopped myself halfway through. Yeah, so, um, so I went team minus 500 and then Garen at like plus like 265. Okay, so we think about this match very similarly. I said Dominic team minus 400. I said Christian Garen plus 250. If you watch Christian Garen play against Stan Wawrinka, yeah. there's no reason to think he can't do what he did on serve against Wawrinka to Dominic team. And again, you know, Garen's a guy who likes to take big cuts with the forehand, right? He's not going to just be thrown in slices, letting team rope him around the court. He's going to take some chances to dictate in this match. So you said minus 500 team. I said minus 400. Dominic I think you're going to be closer. Dominic team minus 1,000 tomorrow against Christian oh, Guerin, according to our wow. friends on DraftKings. Christian okay, Guerin plus closer. 650. I had Guerin Whoa. at plus 250. Yeah, you were closer on this one. And I don't know if this makes us me think, are we underselling team? Are we overselling Guerin here? Like, that's too high. Like, I, I'm sorry. That's too high. That is too that's high. That's way too high. That's, uh, yeah, that's, I think it's underselling. It's, we're probably underselling team a touch, um, but that's still too high. That's too high. Dominic team did not look that great in his last match and Garen looked pretty good. I mean, obviously team still comes in a heavy favorite, but that's too high. Yeah, and these hard courts are slow, but they're not that slow. And, you know, a quick hard court is never a great thing for Dominic team. I know he's confident as hell. I know he won this Vienna title last year. But yeah, minus 10,000 feels a little bit high. I know that probably means the Wait, spread. Wait, minus 10,000 or minus 1,000? Mi- minus 1,000. Sorry, what did I say? Okay, minus 10? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, okay. hey, great chat by me. Minus 1,000 feels a little bit high. What that tells me is you're going to find good odds in either the over in games if you think this match is going to be closer, or you're going to find a good line in the spread if you're on the Garen side. You know, it's spread, meaning Dominic teams win 6-3, 6-4. That's a five-game spread uh, that, you know, it's going to be, you're going to find good odds on lopsided spreads in this match. But yeah, that feels too high. I do think Dominic team's going to win, but minus 1,000, he may have played himself out of the parlay zone with those sorts of odds. But let's move on to our next match now. Arguably the headline match of the day, Stefano Tsitsipas taken on Grigor Dimitrov. I am curious to hear what you had set your odds on. I have now looked at all of these odds, and I'm like, oh, I can't believe I was off here. I can't believe whatever it may be. But your thoughts, give me C- – oh, no, no, I'll go first here. Excuse me. Well, now that you've you looked at him, you're just going to cheat. Well, no, 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 no. I'm not. I promise you, I'm not cheating. I have Tsitsipas minus 175, Dimitrov plus 132. 
Okay. I had Sitsipas minus 140, Dimitrov plus 105, so a little tighter. Tsitsipas, according to DraftKings, minus 240 wow. to Dimitrov's plus 185. Now, I will say this. Okay. We're not that far off. We're not that far one. off. I would, I would expect You're a little him... bit further off than I am on this one, but like that— that just means they're bag. They're what they why they did that, and we didn't factor this in. This is a good thing for us to note moving forward. They don't want you to take the CC Pass money line. They want you to throw him in a parlay. They want you to mix around True. because minus two forty, much like that Struff match, just begging to be parlayed. But they're not giving enough credit to Grigor Dimitrov. We watched him play in Antwerp, Jamie, and this is a guy who's playing some really good tennis right now, particularly indoor hard courts. Feels worth reminding everyone he was a year-end championship winner as well. It's probably his best surface. I think this is going to be a really good match. Yeah, I think this is going to be a really close match, and it might just be that Sitsipas edges him um, edges him out and, and gets a couple breaks in good times. But yeah, I, I would expect it to be a little bit tighter, but yeah. That's okay. I, I'm I'm okay being off there. I'm all right with that. Yeah. I, I, again, I don't think that's a bad miss by us. And if anything, I'm going to probably hit the over in that one because I think mm-hmm. that's a battle. Um, all right. Next one. Medvedev versus Pospisil. I'm happy to go first again. I have Medvedev minus 350 to Pospisil's plus 225. What do you say? Yeah, I'm, I'm close in that regard. Medvedev minus 375, Pospisil plus 200. All right, you win this one. You boxed me out. Medvedev minus 560, Pospisil plus 410. I think we okay. both are factoring in the Pospisil indoor hardcore big serve. We like that a little bit more than probably the percentages the formula does in terms of you know uh, the Pospisil versus Medvedev matchup. But indoor hardcore, uh, given the speed of these courts, I do have to say they probably are right on this one. I think I missed. I probably should have gone a little bit higher on Medvedev. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, again, regardless, both of our odds still reflect him being a heavy favorite. Uh, I just think you and I probably think that match could go the Pospisil way more, you know, more times than perhaps yeah, I, the odds makers do. We, but I'd still Medvedev heavy he can, favorite. Yeah, there's a world where he just steals a set in this match, right? And it's just mm-hmm. like that's what gives us the reservation. Is like we've seen him win that seven six set, or Medvedev screw around with the seven six set. You know, the RBA match comes to mind sure. from Western and Southern and. Uh, yeah, I, I think, or, you know, even that Rublev match, or not the Rublev match, excuse me, the team match in the U.S. Open. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you. That's match number three, but minus 560, he is square in the parlay zone because I do think Medvedev takes that one tomorrow. Um, all right, my favorite match on the schedule, the Spider-Man meme again in in in, uh, in match form, Andre Rublev taking on Yannick Sinner. These guys are going to hit the cover of the ball. I'm hearing reports from Vienna that they're going to do ball changes every three games just in case obviously that's a joke um but you look at the odds in this match team i want to let you go first what'd you have yeah i mean i have rublev coming in as a somewhat decent favorite it's not razor thin here i have rublev at minus 180 center at one plus 125 so we both have center at plus 125 i had rublev at minus 150 again you box me out they have rublev minus 250 yannick center plus 195 here's why okay. i made this match closer than they did because again you look at the statistics over the past 12 months you look at what andre rublev has done even more immediately since august uh no doubt he's a favorite. And minus 250, given his level of play, that's just a respect. That's like a, hey, Andre Rublev, we're not going to set odds for Andre Rublev under minus 200. Are you kidding me? 
But I do think Yannick Sinner has the game style to give Rublev trouble. I do think for Sinner, it's the fact that he can take time away from Rublev, that he's going to want to take balls early to try to dictate. And I don't think Rublev has the combination of movement and length that Zverev did that gave Sinner trouble because, you know, for for Zverev, you get him stretched to the outer third and that's where he wants to play. Now you're playing his game now. For Rublev, he wants things to be on his term and Sinner does have the weapons to take time away. As I said, though, these are two clones, not clones, but these are two guys who play very similarly. It's going to be hard-hitting tennis. I think it's a stay away for me. I just want to watch this match and enjoy it. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you. I think this one, look, on pretty much all of these, it's looking like we think, <laughs> we, we consider them a little tighter um, than DraftKings or any, you know, odds makers is, is putting them at. But yeah, I mean, regardless, Rublev coming in a favorite here. Just, he, he's looked too good to not be. Yeah, it's fair. All right, let's move on to our last two. And these are my two, I th- or the last match in particular, I think very interesting. But Hercats versus Sinego. Um, I have Hercats minus 325 to Sinego's plus 210. What do you have? Mine's a lot tighter, so you might beat me here. Um, I have Hercats at minus 190, Sinego plus 130. Again, you box me out. I'm a little bit closer on the Sinego side. I had him, again, he's plus 188, so I was a little bit closer there. But Hercots, minus 240. I had him minus three, minus 325. I think there's value there. I think Hercots wins this match. I think indoor hard courts, that's the surface he should thrive on with his length, with his variety. I think he wins this match. Sinego's got firepower, but I like Hubi in this one. But yeah, it, it could it could very well go three. Yeah, I think it could. I mean, I guess for me, her catch, he hasn't looked that good for me to be super confident in him. Um, And so that's really one of the reasons. I mean, obviously, look, both of these guys are going to hit some great shots indoors. Sinego has a lot of, as you mentioned, he's a ton of firepower. And on the indoor hard courts, I mean, I think he can just make a lot happen. And if you're making me pick one of these players, yeah, I'm going to go with Hubie. But there's there's some real possibility for Sinego to win this match. Yeah, no, it, it it should be a really fun one. Again, indoor hard courts, he plays a big game, so expect a lot of holds, perhaps one or two tiebreakers in that one. All right, last match in Vienna, Evans versus Rodionov. Give me your odds. Yeah, so I have Evans as a heavy favorite here at minus 450, um, Rodionov plus 240. So you win this one. I think you win the day. I have to say, I think you win the day. Evans minus 360, Rodionov plus 270. Wow, I was close. I think that's a little bit high. I have Evans minus 215, Rodionov plus 143. I love young Yuri Rodionov's game. And yeah, that's my challenger roots coming out there. That's a biased thing. I just like the way he's going. I don't think he's going to be thrown off by the Dan Evans rhythm. And I know Dan Evans physically so much further developed than Rodionov. And if this match goes three, you like him in a third set. But I probably give Rodionov the firepower advantage. I think this is going to be a really fun match. I think Dan Evans probably wins, but I, I, I just think that's too much for me. That's probably uh, a little too much. If I'm taking an underdog on the day, that might be the one. Really? I definitely disagree with that. Um, <laughs> I, I think there's a multiple other underdogs I would rather take. Um, I might rather take Garen than Rodionov, honestly, because I think Evans just looks so solid. And on these indoor hard courts, he's just comfortable, right? He's just comfortable imposing his game, making his – and he's just putting pressure on his opponents. I think Rodionov's going to have trouble really hurting Dan Evans. I mean, maybe you think he can expose that one-hander of Evans, but, I mean, over the years, Dan Evans has gotten so solid at absorbing pace, um, switching up the rhythm with the slice off that backhand side. You know, he, he's no longer... 
he's, he's not bothered by somebody attacking his one-hander unless they're doing it with just brute force. And, and I don't think Rodionov has enough of that to really bother him. So I, I just don't see a world where Evans loses this match unless something goes seriously sideways. Well, here's the thing. Rodionov, lefty, sure. not afraid to serve in volley. He's going to force Dan Evans to hit passing shots. And I'm just saying, if you want to force Dan Evans to do anything, it's to make him hit the passing shot. You don't want to be playing on your back foot as he's the one attacking you. And I just like the game style matchup for Rodionov. But I do agree with you. Again, I lean Evans, but I think that match is going to be an absolute battle. But yeah, we'll let the winners decide. For those of you who listened through the end of Guess the Line, tweet at us, at Cracked Rackets, at Great Shot Pod at Jamie McDonald. Let us know who you think won the day. I will concede this. I do think you probably won today's matches, Jamie. I would say you're 1-0 right now in these guest the lines. But overall, again, it should be a really fun day of tennis uh, on Thursday. Now, just a couple quick storylines before we wrap some other things going on in the professional tennis world. We learned today, and this is a non-tennis note, but that France will be going back into lockdown through December 1st. There was a big question given the fact that the Paris Bercy Masters event supposed to start next week in Paris. Will they be playing it? Sounds like the answer is to that is going to be yes. L'Equipe reporting uh, that there will be exceptions made for the professional athletes who are coming to Paris to play this event. Bold choice, and we don't have to talk about the ethics of we're going to force the country to shut down, but then you're going to let these superstars, these you know people have exceptions to the rule. We don't have to do that right now. Um, of course, from a tennis standpoint, tennis needs these events to be played. So from that aspect, it makes sense why the ATP would want to continue to do this, but that does feel like a pertinent piece of information as we head towards next week. Uh, some other just quick fun things, uh, just of note, uh, worth noting that with his victory today, Djokovic will more likely than not end the year as number one. Here are the four oldest players to finish the year number one, Jamie. 2017, number four, Rafa, 31. 2018, Novak Djokovic, 31. 2019, Rafa, age 33. 2020, Novak Djokovic, age 33. They've broken each other's record now for four straight years, and shout out to at Trenton Jocks for tweeting out that stat. I mean... It's a joke. It's a joke how good these guys are, and there's just a new stat every day you can learn to be that much more impressed with. Also worth noting quickly, great news, Bianca Andreescu tweeting out today a video of her back on court. I know I speak for all of us when we say we want to see her healthy and back playing uh, during the 2021 season. Also worth noting, Netflix releasing a new film about Guillermo Vilas. Uh, it's believed it's called Settling the Score. I have yet to watch it, but thus far, uh, a lot of people have uh, spoken positive things about it. So for those of you looking to do a little Netflix and chilling this weekend, you can throw that in the mix. And then the last thing that I think we have to mention, unfortunately, today, um, we learned, you know, it was a brutal day for Alex Virov off the court. A, he learned, well, I don't know if it was brutal. I guess you'd have to ask him to find out what he thought about it. But we learned today there were reports, his girl, uh, his ex-girlfriend, uh, now 20 months pregnant, she says that he is the father of the child. We also learned today one of his former girlfriends making allegations about an assault incident that happened in New York in the U.S. Open. Now, there aren't concrete details. There haven't really been much reporting into either of those stories. And look, I, I 
despise when people speculate. And we like to have fun, of course. We like to talk about some of the gossipy things that happen in the tennis world, but this is not what the sort of thing we talk about at Cracked Rackets now. As soon as there are concrete facts, as soon as there's reporting, as soon as he speaks out about the incident, then we have a real story. Then we definitely have to spend some serious time talking about it. And for some of you out there thinking, are you letting your Zverev bias cloud you right here, Alex? I don't think I am. I think it would be irresponsible for us to run with speculation, to run without knowing more concrete details behind the story. And I'm not saying, you know, right away we're not believing these two women because uh, why why would we not? That would just be stupid. I'm just saying I don't feel comfortable speaking about it because I don't think enough facts are available, but it is worth bringing to the attention of all of you listeners. Obviously, Jamie, curious if you had any other comments to add. No, I mean, look, I think it's our responsibility to at least mention them as headlines. But as you mentioned, we don't want to go rampant with speculation. Um, and so it's it's good to look, we're on the mini break, right? We talk about controversy and storylines um, in the tennis world. And, and while in this case, this is off the court, it, it's still something uh, that's that's very relevant. Um, and it's about somebody who's at the top of the game, somebody who we talk about quite often. And, and so uh, it's certainly worth mentioning. Um, and yeah, obviously, listeners, as we learn more and see more, uh, we'll keep you up updated there but yeah definitely don't want to run rampant um and and i don't think there's much else to say other than the fact that uh you know look if that allegation holds up that's obviously not good um and and not something that we look i i won't drain the topic we don't want to spend a lot of time on it right now especially because we we don't know what we don't know uh but bottom line we at least had to mention it yeah, no, it's not not good. It's reprehensible. It's disqualifying. It's a fact that it will absolutely cloud any other thing he does on a tennis court. For and, sure. You know, again, it would be disingenuous for us not to mention it right now because we have firsthand accounts from both women. You know, we have his ex-girlfriend on the record saying, yes, I he is the father. And we have his accuser on the record saying, you know, this isn't like a... I'm sorry for using your name here, but this isn't a Craig Shapiro thing where it's like I'm hearing from someone who's hearing from someone. This is her on the record making this accusation, and so it has to be brought up because, again, as you mentioned, biggest storylines in tennis, but of course it will be something we are monitoring certainly uh, as more details uh, continue to unfold. Uh, But of course it should be, uh, you know, not to switch gears here. I don't know how you transition away from that, but of course it should be a really fun weekend of tennis over this championship weekend, the action, the way it's all unfolding. We're going to see a lot of our favorite top players in action. And so again, uh, if you have missed anything from these past few days in the pro tennis world, be sure to go check out our website, CrackedRackets.com. You need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message us directly uh, or me directly. I'm at Great Shot Pod. Shout out as always to our super producers, Max Ligger and Daniel Westoff for the f*** of an editing job they do day in, day out. Shout out, of course, as well to our friends at Midwest Sports and Aerobar. Go to MidwestSports.com use that promo code CR15, go to aerobar.com, use that promo code CRACK15, so that you can live the live, uh, the look good, feel good, play good lifestyle. Uh, with that in mind, Jamie, any final thoughts on Wednesday's action? Going to be a lot of fun. I've actually got people texting me right now, very appropriately, um, you know, what are the picks for tomorrow? So um, you and I got to put our heads together on what we think are the absolute best ones. Uh, but yeah, I mean, look, it, it was a pleasure playing Guess the Lines with you. Happy to take that conceded win. Um, and, and hopefully I'll be 2-0 after we do it on the next mini break.
Yeah, I mean, again, uh, look, listen to yourself, right? That's the uh, that's the advice. Listen to yourself as you head into tomorrow's matches. But yes, of course, I do look forward, as always, to having you back on the show. So, for my wonderful co-hosts, James Foster McDonald, our super producers, Max Fleeger and Daniel Westoff, our friends at Midwest Sports and Aerobar, and all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Jamie, what do we tell the people? That's a break. And we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. 